How are you? Yeah, I'm doing awesome, man. Just plugging away, ups and downs and all arounds. Yeah, got some challenges. Oh yeah, always, man. That's this is life. Well, let's get into them. The Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. Welcome to the Moved Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast, and I am here with Joseph Duramo. How are you? Did I get that right, Duramo? Duroma. 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 Yeah. I kept going for it, and I didn't get it right, but thank you so much. Uh, it's good to see you, my friend. Hey, good to see you, bro. So um, the staple we have here is the SuccessfulMail.com. And let's go ahead and jump into it. Uh, you know, this whole podcast is about real stories, about real people, and about entrepreneurship, man. So tell me a little bit about uh, the SuccessfulMail.com. Oh, absolutely. So it's a, the Successful Mail is a concept, movement, as well as a business. Um, so the, the thinking behind it is you know, multidimensional uh, transformation. Um, one of the biggest things that, <clears throat> excuse me, that we look to achieve is um, very clear, clearly stated in our mission statement, and that's to change the lives of a million men around the globe um, mm-hmm. so that they're high character, high integrity, financially savvy, you know, good communicators. They have a thriving business and great relationships. So that way, ultimately, they can they can make an impact, right, in their their family, their communities, and ultimately their nations. And we believe that one of the biggest things that's missing, especially in terms of personal development, is the multidimensional approach, right? It's like, if I just have rock hard abs, and, you know, I got these big pecs, then, you know, I'm successful. Or if I have the title, on the, you know, the 22nd floor with the corner office, you know, that I'm successful, or if I have all these zeros in my bank account and I'm lighting cigars with my, you know, on fire Benjamin, then I've made it. Or, or if I'm just off in the country, you know, a spiritual guru and have great relationships and that's all my life consists of, then I'm successful. And what we're here to tell, let men know is that you can have all of those things and anything less than that is not leading the significant life that you ultimately want, but also deserve. Right. So, yeah, you know, that's, that's the main focus. We have a podcast, we have mentoring, we have a core program called the success blueprint that takes you through um, all of the things that you need to, to learn and understand that are critical to life success. And we also have the business side, like I said, where if you're a coach or a mentor and you want to come on and sell this package, we have a turnkey operation as well for you to be able to do so. So um, it's really cool to bring this on um, due to the fact that I think that uh, what I'd like to dive into this is uh, you have a 27 element process that you've created. Am I correct? I've yes. done kind of some of my reading. I want to make sure I know a little more so we can move through it. And, and I think that um, it's really interesting. What was the number 27, a number that you came to, or did you get to a point where you're like, man, I'm just adding more. Like it, it was there, was there kind of a, a, was there 50 and you decided, shoot, it only could be 27. 
No, no. So let me make a clear distinction there too. I run the North America division. This is a global, a global team. Uh, the founder who created the success blueprint is my friend and, and business partner, Ron Maholtra. Okay. And he's a, he's an Australian man that lives in um, Melbourne. Very so cool. yeah. 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 I mean, that's part of like the magic of everything that's going on. Right. Is that like, somehow an Irish Italian American from Tampa, Florida has connected for a men's movement with an Indian Australian man from Melbourne. And we met two and a half years ago in Boca Raton, Florida. So it's like, you know, it's, it's like a movie movie, right? It's like a movie storyline of how everything works. But I mean, again, that lends it to, the understanding that there are no coincidences in the ultimate universe, you know? So, so I, I was doing, um, as I was going through, and I know you're out of Tampa now, right? And yes. um, I think these are quite interesting uh, doing these, uh, these podcasts like this because we're in 100% totally different elements, but people are the same. And a lot of things don't change. So I went in and I thought, you know, what would be great uh, today would just to bring up some news, you know? And so I thought, what comes up in the news in Tampa today. So I went on and here's two good headlines. Here's two headlines for you, right? And it kind of went in line with what we're about to talk to. So the first one is this. Man with Florida tattoo arrested for calling 911 for ride home, deputies say. And the picture of Mr. Matthew actually has a tattoo of the Florida state right here on the top of his head. So here's, he's making some decisions, I guess, right? Maybe he hasn't decided to be an entrepreneur yet, but we got a, a young man here. And I think being a successful man is also talking about foundations at, at a young age. Now, the next one that we have here is a gentleman that they wrote a story in the Tampa Bay Times uh, out of New York, almost six months after a rare face and hands transplant, Joe is relearning how to smile, blink and sneeze. The 22-year-old New Jersey resident had the operation last August, two years after being badly burned in a car crash. Two different lives, both 22 years old. Yeah. Let's talk about what are some things these guys can do to create foundations at these ages to at least give them opportunities as they get older. So I thought I would share those two, two, two different life spectrums, right? One guy is like, I'm losing it mentally. And then the other guy, I lost it physically. Mm. Yeah, it's good to point out. I would also say too, the first one, whenever you read a headline with some bizarre thing that you can't even imagine is even real, you know, it's coming from Florida. That's what I, <laughs> that's like, Anytime, like, there's something just absolutely bizarre on the national news, you're like, oh, if you're from Florida, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, that's from Florida. Some dude caught a gator with his bare hands or, you know, some dude with this state of Florida peninsula going down his nose from his forehead. Like, these are just the type of things and diversity we have in Florida. It's so it's it's crazy the amount of diversity. It's, it's really cool. Um, but to answer your question, I mean, that lends it to the, the biggest point that I think anyone can, can come to the realization of, and that is we're always at choice. Mm. We're always at choice. And I get to choose on a daily basis 
how I, how I show up for myself and, and, and in my life. <clears throat> and I would say there's one man that is rapidly digressing and going down and I've been there, right? Uh, victimhood, making the poorest decisions you can and thinking and believing that somehow it's everyone else's fault. And then you have another man that is going through a reality of deep struggle and is relearning basic functions that maybe that other man that's digressing is completely taking uh, for granted. And it puts things in perspective for me because when I get on this, this call with you and we both start smiling ear to ear, just happy to see one another. Sure. I can't imagine what it would be like to try and relearn how to do that with a new face or relearn how to sneeze and, and drink and eat with this new face because I was in, and, and one of this provided me, which could have been, my fault or not my fault, right? And then the acceptance of that. What I will say is, is that quite often we read many stories where young men and, and young women, just humans in general, they go through struggles like that. They transcend it and they're better off having gone through it because of the scope of impact that they're able to make because of the kind of just the, you know, the huge amount of uh, will and hope and, and, um, and focus and determination it takes to transcend something of that magnitude, you know? Would you say that you were always uh, the successful male? Oh, hell no. Well, get, get, give me a little bit about what it was like oh. before the successful male. Oh, no, absolutely not. I, I was a troubled youth, man. I, uh, out, of, out of Florida? Yeah, yeah. I, I was born and raised in Clearwater and then moved to to Tampa in 2011, which is just kind of like 45 minutes away. It's not far. It's all the Tampa Bay area. But, you know, I would say that, you know, 14 years old, entering my first psychiatric hospital, residential, you know, 16, entering a residential rehab, multiple arrests, um, high school dropout, got my GED, um, and led that kind of life of Mr. Know-it-all. And I mean, I was fun. I was, I was kind. And then other times I was angry and blacking out, you know, I, Were I you, um, and I know that you have an entrepreneur, entrepreneur spirit and business spirit now. Yeah. When mm -hmm. did that start for you? I think that's something that's been instilled in me from a young age. Cause my father's a musician and was for 50 years. So mm -hmm. my whole life growing up was, you know, going to see my dad play at bars, uh, you know, we would have dinner every night at six o'clock, like clockwork, because although my dad is this like, you know, awesome, crazy, wild musician, he married a woman from Omaha, Nebraska that was raised in the, you know, atomic family of 1960s. You know what I mean? So you, you come couldn't, home. dude, like it's just night and day, right, uh, of the people that they were. But so again, it was like, Hey, we had dinner at six o'clock. Make sure you have your ass in the seat. Then would eat dinner. And my dad would go get ready for work and he would go off. Right. And when we were kids, um, he didn't necessarily 
have another job yet. But ultimately, once my mom stopped working and, and took care of us full time, she's like, hey, you need you need to get a job. We need health insurance, stuff like that. So my dad worked two jobs for 20 years so that he could continue pursuing his passion and his dream. So again, <clears throat> and he was paid cash, right? So, <laughs> you know, bar bar. Uh, bar owners are, are not, uh, you know, cutting W2 checks, you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, that, that work ethic that uh, my dad's famous line was always ain't no free lunch. So, you know, it was always, they, they always instilled in us um, kind of that tough love. And, you know, we had to make sure that we were taking care of our own responsibilities, right? I'm not saying that I, was great in school. I was constantly getting F's and flunking out just because did I was you have, I mean, looking back, did you like looking back at, at that? I, I think that that story's, I mean, this might be challenging in a sense um, in, in me getting this out, but I think that there's a story of it. There's a lot of, if we're talking about men and we're talking about boys, there is that whole narrative that there is a whole thing about school. You know, I was a kid that was kicked out every single day, but I wasn't a kid that wasn't liked by the teacher. They just couldn't handle me. So like, exactly. It's the same thing to me. Yeah. So you're you're young and you're immediately getting ejected from a maybe, um, I mean, look at what we're doing right now. I mean, we're talking and that would have been something that would have said, look, I need you to not act this way. So I think maybe there's some, maybe not defiance, but maybe there's no, it is, it is, Mm. it it is defiance. I, and I think rightfully so. Okay. The educational system was created, um, by, you know, factory owners during the industrial revolution to create workers, Mm. not to create business owners. It was created for obedience, conformity, show up at the right time, sit in your desk, do this work. I remember when I was in third grade and I've always been great at math and I really enjoy numbers. I enjoy math. For some reason, it lends itself to kind of the same spirit of music. There's just kind of that interwoven rhythm of, of numbers and music. But anyways, you know, my mom would do flashcards with me and I would, you know, drop everything I'm doing to do flashcards with her. I love that. I just love the challenge of learning and growing. So you have to learn your times tables, your multiplication facts and in, in third grade. Well, I did up to 13 in the first month of school. Mm. And my teacher was just kind of like, didn't know what to do with me, would not let me go ahead at all, would not let me go work on other things. So I had to sit in the classroom for the next four months while he taught everyone multiplication facts, Mm. shit that I already knew and I could rattle off like nobody's business. And to think that I was going to be able to sit there and be quiet and not disrupt and, and not like, you know, just be totally bored because it's not that I don't like to learn. I just don't like memorizing things that I already know to take a test. And that might be kind of common, you know, but the, but the kicker to that was that I ended up back in the class, right? And I will not talk <laughs> 5,000 times. I, mean, I can tell you, I've right. burned through so much chalk. I mean, they had to come up with a factory to keep me going. So in that, I, and the reason that, that I keep bringing these pieces up, um, because I'm, I'm also tying into some things that I followed with you. And one of the questions that you had asked 
um, your audience, as you said, uh, what happened to people saying, please? Man. And so I, I did a little bit of homework and it goes back to like the 1400th century or so. And it started just to create some form of communication and it's become something that I guess you would say is an emotional trigger that we've built in ourselves, almost like diamonds in a way, <laughs> we created them for marriage. But in a sense, we've almost like ingrained that into us. What is your thoughts on reasons? And this all ties in to the male, right? Because there's these, like you said, there's all these different little things. What is your thoughts on why we don't do that? I mean, I walked, I opened the door for someone the other day and it was like, I never exist. It was like, I was a robot. Yep. You were, yeah, you were, uh, you were the door holder. I was, I did my job, but <laughs> yeah. What, why do you think that is? I mean, what, what is that? In people here? are selfish. People are, people are selfish. You know, um, I would say that a lot of it has to do with parenting. You know, I always feel blessed, right? Cause I, I have two pretty good parents, you know, and I, I did the work of pulling them down off the pedestal and placing them beside me as human beings and dealing with the resentments of being raised by fallible people. Right. Mm -hmm. um, sure. And, but what I would say is, is that I think for a lot of us, we don't realize just how bad people really have it. Right. Like hmm. imagine, let's get, in, um, let's, let's get into that a little bit. That's so, so like, for instance, right now, my mom's in a role that, where like last year, her whole job was to visit juvenile detention center and try and get kids out of that, out of there, out of juvenile detention, right. And of jail back into high school so that they can graduate. Hmm. She had, um, she was overseeing like 58 kids or something, I think. And a big win for her was she got one of them to graduate high school. Okay. Now imagine this, you don't, you go home from school, you don't have a computer. Um, you don't have any food. You're responsible for yourself. Um, and your mother is telling you that you're stupid because you're still going to school and that you should get a job because you're never going to be anybody anyways. So, why do I mention that? Well, what do you think the possibility is that when you hold the door for that person, they're going to look at you in a kind manner and say, thank you mm. and have appreciation for anything. If they've told what told them themselves their whole life growing up, what a piece of shit they are. So now you get this, you get this belief that I've had it so bad like the world owes me something, you know, the world owes me. And I'm not saying that, that it's very touchy, right? Like it's very hard to, to think that deeply about things because so many of us don't have that experience. So how can I possibly build any type of level of empathy for something even remotely like that? Right? Like, now, I will say there are plenty of stories that of, of people that I know personally that grew up um, and families that way. Um, and my father was one of them. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, like, 
the whole reason if someone holds the door for me and I say thank you um, is because number one, it was drilled into my head mm -hmm. by my mother before I even ever had a chance to even believe it was a choice. Mm. So it's subconscious programming before the age of seven <clears throat> where she had the discipline enough to, you know, her belief was that she was preparing me to be independent in life. And part of that, you know, dressing well, make sure you stand up straight with posture, look people in the eye, shake their hand and have some damn manners so that people can see that you have some integrity in class. If someone's not drilling that into you from a very young age, that's not ever going to be something that you take on because they never felt it was important. Um, you and I now in the business world know that that's the number one thing that separates you and quite possibly could win or lose you a contract solely based on your class and character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that um, it, go, it, it goes all the way back. I, I also was very fortunate uh, to have a great mother and father and, and still to this day, I have great relationships with them. And so um, I don't have a perspective on the other side. Mm -hmm. you know um and maybe there is a side that it's so frustrating but maybe those please and thank you uh, are they designed for you to get something out of it or for them right so it gets it gets very interesting it gets very internal of like if i'm going to say that or please is it really about me or is it about creating a better aura around me of good energy i um i learned when i try i did some traveling and um i'll never forget I was in Bali and I remember being there and um, I, I remember watching a, a, a place of poverty and I remember just realizing, wait a minute, that person isn't just somebody in poverty. That person's in trouble. They're doing whatever that is. But I am so equal to them in the sense that if I pinch the bottom of my arm and I go pinch the bottom of theirs, we're, at, we're the same. Mm -hmm. And I think that that levels me all the time. On the other note, when you get intimidated and somebody has that upper hand on you, in the same sense, that little spot right there, it's like a son of a bitch, just like them. And I think that in, especially because you focus on men, these conversations that we're having also have elements of, um, I believe we all have elements of fight in us and when do they come out? And when you deal with them, we're talking about youth and those things. And as we move them into, they're going to transition Miss, Mr. Joe's over here. Uh, the, the one guy that's put, you know, tattooing his face. And then one guy's doing this. One of them might get a reckoning and have to actually take a step. And if I were to move that transition and one of these guys stories had started, started a business, what would you say out of the elements of a successful man would be the first one that you have to get a hold of? And the reason I say that is because you can't, you can't do them. You can't, can't do them all. You kind of got to rebuild, right? You got to kind of like do one over here and one over here. And then this little collapse, maybe I have a relationship. I got to get a relationship with my parents, but it fails. Yeah. So I got to go work out or maybe I, in, in, in a sense that I want to start a business my life isn't perfect. What's the number one thing that you would say someone needs to grab a hold of right away? Integrity. 
integrity. Everything stems from that. Everything. And let's let's give a business scenario of integrity. Sure. So what you do when you're alone, um, the most important person knows. The most important person in the world knows what you do and don't do, whether you show up for yourself or whether you don't. And that's yourself. Subconscious mind is always watching. Every time you don't brush your teeth, every time you, you know, you don't floss properly, every time you don't show up for that business meeting on time, even though you had the ability to, all these little things that people say are little things that don't matter, they do matter to the most important person in the world. And that's yourself. You see, because integrity is always in perfect harmony, perfect correlation with self-worth, which then, um, you know, translates into our self-image, which boosts confidence. So again, so how, how do we, how can we boost that? Well, with character building, right. And taking a look at certain values that we deem are the most important in our life. And I always, I always, um, tell men they need to start with their top five, right? Like I, I know through and through mine are love, faith, integrity, money, legacy, love, faith, money, integrity, legacy, right? I can say them backwards, forwards, up and down. I know, and that's the barometer for my behavior and my personal and professional life, right? So when I'm doing that and I'm showing up in that space and I'm living in my highest integrity, then I get to meet awesome people like yourself. We begin to build relationships because I've attracted people, like-minded people like you because of who it is that I've become. Mm -hmm. these, aren't, these characteristics weren't always someone of my nature or how I behaved, okay? These were built over time. Not only that, if you, everything stems from integrity, everything, it all does. You know, and like you said, guess what? Of those two men that we were talking about from Florida, there's a pretty good chance one has quite a bit of it and one has not too much, right? And one of the deep beliefs that I have that stems from, you know, um, Socrates is that, you know, no long-term harm can ever come of a man that always keeps integrity intact, Right. Because say, life say is very no, no long term harm could come to a man that keeps integrity intact. Did I get it right? Yeah. Yeah. Because real personal catastrophe comes in corruption of the soul. Would you say right? because it's something that chases you? Mm, no, no. I'd say that you make a decision based off of who it is that you, you wish to be. Right. And again, when I say you make a decision, there's also a lot of things we're blind to, right? We do a lot of things that over the years that have served us in terms of, you know, survival, because that's how the subconscious mind works, you know, but you get to some point where you're like, wow, this just isn't serving me anymore. I, I maybe should try something different. Right. But what I would say is, is that, um, you know, think about just history in general, right? I mean, there's been plenty of incident, incident instances where um, people were not living in a world like we are in America. I mean, like they would just come to your house and throw you in jail and you couldn't do shit about it. 
you know what a what what a what a feeling to to think that that's really right i mean that just all of a sudden it it was good now it's not i don't think people realize how yeah. storms show up they you know it's not like you'd be like where's the weather channel they just show yeah. up right yeah and, char- and characters defined as um as uh you know firmness or or excellence right so firmness of morality or excellence of morality, right? That's, that's what character is defined as. And, and it stems from being in full integrity with yourself, your internal being. So then what I would say is, is let's say not if, but when that tragedy shows up, well, then I get to prove to myself really if that, if, if who I am and who I believe I am, if I really showcase within my behavior that that's who I really am, am I that convicted? Right. And one of my, uh, one of my heroes, one of the guys I love, Dr. Miles Monroe, he, 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 yeah, he's awesome. He, um, another guy that if you're into leadership, you're into personal development, um, spirituality, you know, look the guy up, but he says, you know, there's three things that reveal, uh, the man to himself, they reveal the character of that individual to himself and the world. The first one is power. So when you you're placed in a position of power, um, money. So when you get when you you get into a lot of money or rich, right? Um, it's the ultimate magnifier, right? It, you know, one of the things Will Smith said is money doesn't change people; it simply magnifies what's already there. So you're already corrupted in the first place. It's just now it's magnified because you have all this money. And then the last one is sex. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and those th- three things for men, when you're, when those are placed upon you, it's going to reveal to you very quickly who you are. And then you have a choice how you're going to show up in that space. Right. So I always tell men, you know, work on integrity, work on character building, you know, because guess what? The technical stuff is going to come along the way. You know, everyone wants to focus on the strategies and tactics and the technical domain. And I'm of the belief that your business grows to the extent you do. And I think that that's, I mean, I think this is an interesting conversation because the way that you and I met was under a little bit of confrontation conversation, right? Yes. Yeah, man. And uh, there was a post or so, and I'd made a comment and you'd made a comment. But I think in the end, I was like, just because we don't agree doesn't mean we can't, we could, I I think I said at the end, I was like, there's something about you, bro. I bet we could get along. Like, yep. And we do (laughs) totally get along. I think that um, something that men needs to need to understand is that the fight doesn't have to last forever. And I, maybe I'm talking to myself, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, one thing that I've been doing on social media is if there's an area that I don't agree and I want to jump in right and make my voice the person that I find this most confrontation I like guys that are I I like the fight right I like a I don't like the fight I just like the conversation and if it has difficulties let's talk it through in the end people that end up doing that sometimes have the same characteristic traits that I enjoy as a human spotty you got it yeah. And you end up, and you end up getting that right. And you get somebody that's there. So here, here's an interesting scenario. I thought that I would um, bring, bring this up as well is that there's um, 
as, as we are in this world of entrepreneurship and, and the evolution of business, um, one thing that I did for years is that even when things are terrible, you know, lost everything, literally everything, had to rebuild, I believe that one thing that we both would agree is that there's, you got to grab one thing and just at least let that be your floaty device. And then, and then just nurture that one thing and allow everything else to fly out of the, off the Richter. Don't even try to fix it and fix that one thing. And for me, it was just, just be a little bit in shape, have some strength to be able to do something, have some actual strength. And so what are you seeing in business owners now? Because I believe that people are getting wiped out mentally mm-hmm. and they actually are having to rebuild. And I think that this isn't something that is not common out there. And I think that the mental state of the person that I talked about <laughs> that to here eliminating a few things out of his life and giving him a few skills in today's world, there's actually a lot of hope. But what do you think we're missing as men not executing physically and we're doing this kind of stuff? How How are you seeing that affect the successful man? How are you seeing that the, the the guy usually like we end up kind of as we get older kind of like falling into our caves right we kind of like but yeah. we don't want to we just do mm-hmm. so what is it you're seeing that where people are kind of like ah oh, shit i gotta get this thing together pain is a great motivator right i mean i think just from what we talked about before and, and i'm i'm privy to unknowing this the full kind of the full story of what you went through like it was because of the pain of not changing uh, finally exceeded the fear of changing. Right. And, and, and it's like, until desperation is a great, is a great kind of prodder of change, even more so than inspiration and motivation. I mean, motivation being the, the, the least, right. That, that wears off daily, you know, mm-hmm. inspiration and it's living an inspired existence. That's a, that's, that's a goal, right? But before you get to motivated and inspired, it's almost desperation. Like, oh my gosh, I just can't keep going on this way. Mm. And then finally, I seek for something different, right? Like we're so good at seeking cures rather than prevention, right? Like rather than allowing myself to get to the bare bottom where I'm fat and out of shape, my blood pressure is high, I'm pre-diabetic, I can't even walk up the stairs with groceries without freaking feeling like I need to take a break on the damn couch. Why don't, why do I allow it to get to that point? What is it? Why? why? I mean, that is probably a great question, right? Why? And 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 where was yours? When did you hit yours? It was because of what I believed I was worth. Right. And and there's because of what I believed I was worth. Right. And the confusion here for men is, is that we do, we do, we provide, we got to make sure we're taking care of everything and we worry about everyone else except 
the most important person in our life and that's ourselves, right? And whether it's generational context, cultural context placed upon us from society, whatever our deep beliefs are, you know this as well as I do, we can't pour from an empty cup. You know, you just can't. And we neglect ourselves for so often because we don't make self-love a priority. And, and when I say self-love, I don't say, well, you know, um, I need to go and, and, you know, get drunk. I need to, you know, I need to go and, and seek some sort of diversion from what the current state of affairs actually are. Loving myself is looking at my current state of affairs and take, take some sort of introspective look on what I could do to better myself to then channel all of that positive energy that radiates from that decision, right? And so what you're very- saying is that happens at end zone. That happens at like closure. I mean, that happens at... Sure. I mean, how many people do you hear from in our space that are like, I finally started to work on myself. I figured out the money wasn't what I was really after. I mean, how many billionaires do you have to listen to that have made it that said ultimately what they what they finally got to is that they really needed to start taking care of themselves? You know, well, I don't even a billionaire doesn't even excite me. I see a lot of it. it doesn't billionaire anything, right? Like just people that are influencers, right? Like, yeah. And I'm just using them as an example because that's me. No, I don't think it, I don't think I, I don't think it's a personal thing. I think that you're absolutely right. And these yeah. guys have a great, great story. So I um, had met a friend through a charity event. He had uh, he invited us over to his home. We stomped grapes. Great guy. I mean, just such a good guy. Um, he's in Montana now uh, in politics. And um, I remember talking with uh, him at his home or whatever. And there's another gentleman that's there. And he's standing there uh, next to me, him and his wife. And we were sitting there talking. And um, I said, so what do you do? And he's like, well, it wasn't always that good. And we're just kind of joking and laughing, you know. I said, well, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, I used to have this construction company. And the thing was massive. And I lost it all. Our contract shored up and I lost everything. And he's like, I was in the dumps. And he's like, the one thing that saved me was relationships. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, so I'm hanging out, <laughs> hanging out over here uh, with some other friends of mine. And uh, we were at a dinner or something. And somebody came up and said, I knew you were doing this. And he says, hey, I was wondering if you can do some snacks. It's like, what do you mean do some snacks? He goes, yeah, I can, you think you can handle the um, distribution of these snacks and put them on the stands and stuff? And he's like, oh, okay, I'll do that. He ended up becoming the distributor for snacks for Walmart. <laughs> oh, but his story and my point of this is, and this is where I think comes in line with exactly what you're talking about. And I enjoy this so much is that his statement basically was, man, I, I, I missed those days. He said he missed them. Mm-hmm. He missed them. Yeah. He missed those days that he was in the fight, even though now he doesn't have to fight. Ah, what a, what a hard thing to calculate as us men, right? Do you get yes. to the peak and then do we fall? You got to find another peak. Maybe that is what it is. That is what it is. Yeah, that's the that's how life is. Like Jim Rome so eloquently put it for years. It's the seasons of life. 
you know, it's nice and bright and sunny during summer. Then you have a fall and then you're in the deep darkness, cold winter. But that always gives birth to a new vibrant spring with new life and new beginning. So maybe the conversation, um, and this is something that I've thought about a lot as well, is we're living longer. I think Mike Tyson to me is like, I'm so pumped about that guy. I mean, I can't tell you just if I'm pumped for the guy, for people to look at this guy and go at 53 years old, he moved his body. He changed himself, moved his body and became a portion of what you believed he was for years. Right. What that tells me is that we're humans that get longer jet longevity in life. So maybe if we're actually men at a younger age and we start these processes and we're not dying at 18 years old, mm-hmm. maybe we need to have a little more forgiveness on our friends that don't make it the first time. Because or that the- some, but I just, I hate to cut you off, but I think that's exactly right because the notion that you have it all figured out or that you're not going to run into some sort of uh, tragedy or that you're going to have days where you're not okay is unrealistic. And literally the fact that you can't pick up, feel like you can't pick up the phone and I can't call Jason and be like, hey man, I'm not feeling it today. I don't feel good you know, and I, and I, and I just want to talk to you and let you know that I'm not all right. And here's all the reasons why the fact that men are not doing that is literally killing them by the thousands. Men dominate suicide statistics. And to your point, the largest demographic in our country is 17 to 22 year olds. The second is men 35 to 44. And I believe that there's a revolution going on from men from the age of 35 to 50. I think, well, let's just throw in the extra 60 and 70. Might as well just kick them in there, right? I mean, my pops, he's 70 years old and he tells me the other day, hey, Jason. I say, yeah. He says, come Monday. I say, yeah. He's like, that's when I start my bodybuilding. He's been that kind of person. I start something new. And I think that there's something here. I think that there's something underlining here that basically says, wait a minute, from I, I, I swung the bat from really in practicality, you only swung that bat from what, four, 15? Because you kind of couldn't put it together, right? And you're kinda yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You kind of got to put, so you really swing that bat to about 22 or 23, right? And then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, there's, I got to kind of change some things. Now I got to kind of figure some things out. But I think as we start to live longer, it was, what was it? It was retire. I'm over the hill at 40. Like you don't see that anymore. No one does an over the hill party, right? Everybody's doing a stem cell research party, baby. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm, I'm being, I'm going to be 39 this year. I feel fantastic. I feel way better than when I, when, when I was, you know, 23, you know, because it's different. Let's let's challenge that a little bit. 
mentally sure. you feel better because it's you're less unstable, right? Uh, we have you're um, at a place of like uh, you're not going through puberty. You're not like all that's not all whacked out, right? But you would also agree. I don't. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't rebuild. I don't heal as fast. No, right? but again, feelings aren't facts. Ooh, go into that a little bit. Feelings aren't facts, man. Yeah. How many times are you? Yeah. You know, oh, I don't feel good. Oh, okay. Or, yeah, I mean, the physiological makeup of me at 23 is drastically different than, 30, than 38. I get that, right? But I was also pouring a lot of poison into my body at 23. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't put anything in my body like that, mm-hmm. right? And that's why my nan always said that, uh, you know, youth is wasted on the young, you know, because it's like, imagine going back there now having, like you said, the mindset, the spiritual wholeness, the integrity, the character, right? Now, like I said, that's why I say I feel better because mm. I treat my body better. Mm. I treat it like the temple think, that it is. I, I only get one. I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that as we open up this, this Pandora's box of what a guy like Mike Tyson did, right? Uh, yeah. And, and I know that some people might tab things i think as a person if you look at a heartbeat that guy's hit every single stinking piece i mean it's just like his whole life is a wrecking ball jail accused sure. real lie all the money in the world i mean everything that you can hit you know weird as hell doesn't care then he's super respectful just an all-around hit every point so when you look at a guy like that he's 53 years old i think it should be an encouragement encouragement to men that go, wait a minute here. Well, there's two things for us men that are happening. It might be good for some and some, maybe it's not. I don't think that our society is asking us to be Arnold Schwarzenegger anymore as men. And I think that there's something good about that for us. Well, I'll put this out there since I'm in Tampa, Super Bowl's coming up and we got someone else that is transcending the age thing too, man. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Right? So let's 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 talk about that for a second just to highlight exactly what you're talking about and exactly what you were talking about when you came on my show. Pliability. Yes. Stretching. He he's somebody that, you know, with his his trainer created the TB12 method of, you know what? The fastest way for you to hurt yourself is to have constant contraction of your muscles due to heavy weightlifting rather than pliability. Because mm-hmm. when you hit a spring that's, you know, fully tightened, it's going to explode. And that's what your muscles do, right? So, I mean, I've been fascinated with his work for, you know, five years now. It just so happens that he's now on my leading my favorite team in the world uh, to <laughs> hopefully win the Super Bowl. But again, there's a lot to be said about what he's doing right now. And I think more people should really start taking a look at that because again, there's plenty of bodybuilders that are around his age um, and a little bit older or bodybuilders that are Mike Tyson's age as well. And they're crippled, man. And I think that it all, yeah, they are. And I think that you go look at the guys, WWE, WWF, right? Yeah. So, but I think as a society, I think, look, if you want to go be a bodybuilder and you were like, I'm, 
do it, baby. Yeah. Show me those yeah. muscles, baby. Right. <laughs> but I think it's important too to see what the human body can do. And that was correct. But if, if you're an everyday guy, meaning that you're not trying to wear the Speedo, <laughs> if that's not what you're trying to do, well, let's do something and not just only that. And I think that um, where I think you are, you're like, what an incredible place to be with promoting men right now. And, and the reason that I say that is because there is a lot of advocacy. There's an, a lot of assumptions of men. There's a lot of advocacy to press a lot of other things, you know, um, uh, equal rights for many different people. Awesome, right? Which also puts maybe us sometimes as men, we're like, okay, are we waiting our turn out? Does that mean we can't, we're not a part of our own movement now? And I think that it, in a sense too, as we, as leaders start to do their thing, they do start to kind of take a step back a little bit too, right? And so I think that where this movement is, my biggest fear is people actually sitting on these computers too much and not doing anything. Right. Right. That scares me. It's not just scare. It makes me sad. Right. Because, man, you, you, your capabilities are so much. You could go athletically do so much. Go use it. Well, uh, to, so you know what just surfaced for me when you were talking? When you said, hey, if you're that guy and you want to go be the bodybuilder, dude, go do it. If you're the regular guy and, and like – it's okay to not be that. So that circles back to my point of what you asked me about someone building a business. Integrity. Integrity. Got it. Integrity. Having integrity for yourself. Right? Like I did a body transformation from August 8 of 2018 to August 2019. I killed that shit, bro. So disciplined, hired an expert. I I I mean I transformed my wait, wait, whole Hold on. Life. I, I didn't catch that. You did what? I did a body transformation. Wow. Yeah. What so was, again, what, in, in one of the what, things, what, how long ago was that? August of 2018 to August of 2019. Okay. So you did an entire year. Okay. I like this stuff. Tell me a little bit of how it went. I, 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 yeah, I am so fascinated in repetition with time and not deviating from it. And yeah. I believe it's the artist. So I would love to hear where, where were you in your life when you did that? I'd like to hear the stage. So hold, hold on. Let me, I'm, I'm, I'm like you and I, I'm somebody that I place these things upon myself um, to see what I'm made of, to see what surfaces for me. And like your friend said that you were talking to from Montana, when I place myself in that challenging place of adversity, that's where the mind is its sharpest and I get my best ideas. I see what I'm made of and all of my defects of character surface for me to work on. Right. It doesn't happen in familiarity and comfort. So, so, like, so you own, did you own a business at the time? No, I was, uh, I was leading. Well, I had just started uh, with the successful male. I wasn't okay. leading it yet at that time, but at that time I was, running a seven figure business as a managing partner and a restaurant. Um, we were doing about 4 million a year at that time. I had like a team of 70 
And I was working about 60, 65 hours a week. So up until that point, a lot of what led me to not, not making a physical focus was just being physically exhausted from running a single unit restaurant that was a high volume, right? So, And I was trying to highlight that you weren't just sitting at your house and decided to do a, a, a transformation. What I was highlighting is that there was pressures also going on in your life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it was and and, you know, two months after that, I, I actually got a promotion as a result of it. But it, it kind of so <clears throat> I <laughs> up until that point, you know, I, when I changed my life in 2009, the very first thing I focused on was spiritual development, then emotional and, and mental and leadership. And then when I by, you know, 2018, it was like, all right, I got to and, and throughout that time, I had worked out and I was running and I was doing other things. But um, 2018, I'm like, you know what, let's just I don't want to do some 30 day challenge. I don't want to do a 90 day challenge. I want to I want to set a year goal to transform my body and transform my life and create a lifestyle. I don't I want something that's going to last for me. I don't want to go through this for the next 30 or 90 days. And then, you know, I want it to be a slow build and, and really change habits that then change my future. So I, uh, a good friend of mine, um, you know, I, I started working out with him and he's 18 years in the, in the fitness industry. And he looks like a goddamn action figure. So it's like, <laughs> that's just kind of how I am. Like if someone's a, at mastery level of something, I seek them out for the results I want and I pay them. Even if they're my friend, it doesn't matter. I want to, yeah. I want to pay you for your knowledge. So this was also for me about education as well, about the body, about diet. Um, my wife's a certified Pilates instructor trainer. So, you know, it's not like I have, we have junk at home. So again, but a number of things were in my favor, right? So when I got on this journey, I started measuring my food. I followed his workouts. I started working out with him. I learned how to work out properly. Not like, oh, I know how to work out because I did it when I was 19. It was like, hey, no, I'm in a different place now. I love learning. So I learned how to work out. Um, I learned how to eat properly for my body. Um, I had already been gluten-free um, for seven years. Oh, wow. Um, and I don't drink alcohol and I don't take drugs. I don't smoke cigarettes. So all those things led to rapid uh, improvements and rapid results. Right. Um, so, again, day by day, I just measured these things. Right. Like the old business saying what gets measured. Measure, gets managed. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I did this. I took pictures, 30, 60 day it was 30 90 days six months in a year and it was remarkable the transformation that i had i'll 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 text you the picture you know later on but you'll be like holy shit and what happened within that um within that time frame for me uh was just purely with lack of a better word just the evolution of joe to roma in terms of his physiology right um I changed the shape of my body um, and I got into like what you were talking about earlier, as far as getting that good flow of good, positive chemicals and getting my body addicted to those good flow of chemicals so mm. that my body 
urges me to work out. And then it's not so much of a mental strain of, I have to go to the gym. I have to work out. It's no, my body's yearning for it because it wants those, that positive feeling. It wants those chemicals, right? It's the same. And, and what I learned is, is that the body is such a, a remarkable work of art if we allow it to be right if we're the one running the program sure if i'm feeding my body sugar every day it's gonna want sugar and then if i stop with sugar i'm gonna feel like shit for three days two days i'm gonna have bad headaches i'm gonna be lethargic i'm gonna be drained conversely if i feed my body healthy greens clean protein no fast food, lots of water, it's going to, after a week or two, yearn for that. You can change that makeup very quickly. So what it showed me is, is the body is very powerful and it wants more of whatever it is that you feed it, right? Did so like you, you wanna, said. Did you want to, where, where was your breaking points? Because a year, it, it's um, Probably. Yeah. I mean, I would give an idea of where my breaking points would be, but where, where do you think, did you have? It's hard. Okay. So you see results very quickly. Okay. And it's interesting that the, that the, the body is the same as what the learning curve um, is in terms of chasing mastery. Oh, right. Wow. That's interesting. So, yeah, it is. So like you get results very quickly. Okay. First 30 days after 30, from 30 days to 90 days, it's like, you're a different person. The first 30 days of mostly everything kind of suck, you know, cause you're just having to, you're changing you, your habits, you're breaking right? stuff. You're yeah, just you breaking are. Man. <laughs> yeah. Or as I say, you're in your mind, you're deleting all those old files and trying to download like new that. software at the same like time. That. Yeah. Yeah. So like, then you hit 90 days and you plateau for like three months, right? Where you're just, you're not seeing really any large increases in strength. You're not really seeing any more changes to your body that are noticeable that you saw in the first 90 days. You're getting tired of the repetitions of doing what you got to do. Sometimes you look at your food and you're like, fuck this shit. You know, you're like, forget it, you know, and the self-doubt will creep in because you're not seeing the tangible results you did for the first 90 days, right? Now, the interesting thing is, is you just keep going because you set the one-year goal. That's why it's important to me, right? It's like, okay, I'm then having to uh, show up in integrity for myself of what the goal I said to myself and the others that I told it of what I'm doing. Right. Mm -hmm. So then the interesting thing is, is that six months, um, my trainer changed up my workout, changed up my food and <clears throat> like I started to see rapid, rapid results. Again, my strength just started to go through the roof um, I was somebody that when I started, I was, you know, and I wasn't somebody that was like, oh, I need to bench press this, you know, and because I always tell people, you know, the first thing they always ask me, how much do you bench? And I'm like, 
I haven't even really been tracking it. You know, I, but were I you just, known as a naturally stronger guy? No, no. Mm -mm. I always told people that I just wanted to look really good naked for my wife. So hopefully that she would pay more attention to me. That's what I always told me. Like, that's all I want that. And I want to look good on the beach. You know, if you're, and if you're single, no girl, when you're walking down the beach ever comes up to you and asks you how much you bench, right? <laughs> They're attracted to like how you look. So the yeah, whole- Yeah, but there's ways to show that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, I went from not even being able to bench um, 135. I think I started out at like 125. I got all the way up to 295 bench press, and, and um, which was pretty remarkable. But, and that wasn't until I was probably nine months in, man, you know, where I even really started looking at, you know, hey, what kind of weight can I put up? Because I also was very keen on not hurting myself, wow. not lifting out weight. I just wanted to shape and form my body to make it look what the vision was I had for my body, right? Um, so again, that six months... You know, you keep going, you start seeing some changes again, and it starts happening for like that three months. And then at nine months, you plateau again, and you're just like, oh, man. So by the time I got to a year, um, it was just so satisfying because you can look back and say, man, this is, this is who I was. This is how I looked. Um, and this is who I am today. And I can't really um, put into words, you know, what that does for showing up for yourself and that level of integrity and, and that uh, amount of self-love, the confidence that comes along with that. And also you know, other people knew what you were doing, right? Oh yeah. Oh, and yeah. I think that one thing, when you say I'm doing something for a certain amount of time, for some reason, it's very attractive to people to then want to see you finish. Oh, you know, and the funny thing was too, and I'll, I'll throw this in there because there's always unintended consequences when you do stuff like this, right? So like I said, I got promoted out of that restaurant and I began seeing, um, uh, overseeing corporate productivity for all 189 restaurants, creating SOPs and, and traveling in the country, teaching uh, leadership and profitability for a $600 million organization, you know, not bad for a guy that started um, at the company riding the bus and reading books, serving tables, right? With the GED. Yeah. So was that your first job? Uh, it was my first job after I made the decision to change my life and own Got mine. It. Got it. Yeah. But what I would say is I got to the office and I became the workout guy. I was the gym guy. Wow. I had never been that in my whole life, but at the office, they had a gym downstairs so I would go work out on my lunch break and then eat my prepped meals at my desk, you know, and everyone there is drinking and eating candy and cookies and cakes all day. And, and I'm like, I'm the workout guy. Go talk to Joe. If he's the, he's the gym guy. I'd never been the gym guy at my whole life. So it was like, I was wearing this new hat or this new identity or label that everyone was placing upon me. Was that was it totally new, new. But was it new people that didn't know you as well? Yeah. So there's something really interesting about this. And I, I think about this sometimes. I think about like, you know, you jack everything up 
and then you change something or whatever, and then you meet someone, the other person don't know your shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like you, they yep. assume, they assume that you're that guy, right? Yep. They, they don't, they don't assume the other guy. They really do see no. the new guy. I think that's super hard for us to really see it that the other person doesn't see the other guy they only see what's in front of them yeah i tell people all the time the best compliment i've ever received in my life was from my wife um, when we were when we first started dating she would ask about my past and, and all that stuff um and i would tell her i would tell her stuff if she asked and she, one time she just said you know i can't even ever imagine you ever being like that like she couldn't even bring into the reality that I was that man, mm. that liar, that cheater, that alcoholic drug addict that did terrible things to people. Like, so it showed me the, like you just said, the power of transformation that lends itself to you can, you know, again, we're the only species on the planet that can become whoever it is that we wish to become, mm. you know, if we, if we're willing to grow. Right. So I love that. I love that. I was fine with being the gym guy. I'd never been the gym guy in my life. Not only that, I was looking good too, man. I felt good and I crushed it at work and, you know, and, and, um, I was building this business, uh, you know, lighting up my entrepreneurial fire on the side. And it was crazy, man. It was an incredible time. I had just come off of doing, um, ontological coaching training and it was just a really exciting time in my life, man. And it was all happening at the same time. It all came together at the same time. Yeah. Very interesting. Another topic I thought I'd um, bring up, and we have some some interesting things going on in this country. Um, And I think with your topic of talking about um, men and males and and how we shift and and how we communicate and integrity and all these things, uh, there's a lot of things that are coming up as far as um, sports in youth and there's the entire uh it's uh the trans uh community wants mm-hmm. to open up um uh, the ability for sports i don't have it perfect but um the way that they want to do is to have more open sports for male mm-hmm. and female and having one output how do you see that not as an effect on them how would you see that as an effect on a current situation, not denying anybody. There's also an effect that happens internally as men are growing up in sports functions, not, you know, there was a a long time where you would go to male schools and you go to female schools and they had a reason for that. Sure. It probably was just keeping our (laughs) young uh, hormone, driven people to focus on trying to just read instead of hump everything. But yeah. in practicality, there now is a shift. They're not, they're not trying to say, they're saying, Hey, you know what? There is something that we're opening up. And I, I'm a little more open to this because I lived in the Philippines and Thailand. That was really where my first exposure of lady boys and uh, you know, trans and those things. I, I didn't get any of that. I was, I didn't understand it. And, and again, yeah. so I did get exposed. But now what I'm seeing, this is now going into our schools the way that we're handling it in the U.S. Also in the same conversation has an effect 20 years from now. That's where I think that I'd be interested to hear what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. So I think just from a pure, pure physiological standpoint, 
there are some things that men are going to be able to do better than women in terms of sports. And that can't ever, that's not ever going to change. Um, I mean, certain sports lends itself to um, women be, you know, ex excelling, excelling way faster than men. But like, I just don't see in track and field how a woman will ever be able to be faster than a man. And, it, and it's nothing that like I'm saying, like, okay, it's my belief. Like, oh, I believe it's like, it's just biology, man. Like the makeup of the body is just that way, you know? And it's not like me trying to rain on your parade. Um, but I also feel that, and this is, listen, this is just my opinion. Okay. So take it as it is that when you begin mixing things like that, let's say in high school or college athletics, um, but primarily high school, because I think in, in college and Olympic and Olympic athletes, you know, they test your, they test your, uh, your hormone levels. Mm -hmm. you know, it has to be a certain, um, amount for you to, to be, yeah, a certain range for you to be able to be even accepted into it. Right. There's many parts of the country where that's not happening at the high school level. So what I ask people is, and, and I've had this conversation with, uh, a, a lot of people that are close to me, um, including a lot of women, because I was seeking to understand, so let's say your daughter is somebody that has participated in uh, and become very successful in, let's say, the 440, right? And they've trained from the time they were 11 until their senior year, and they're on the brink of winning the state championship that could ultimately provide an incredibly different life for them with scholarships, other outlets and opportunities that may open up from them winning that state championship. And then there's a young person, right? That decides, okay, well, no, I identify as a woman, but I've been, I was born a man and I have all of these, this biological makeup that leads me to having a clear, distinct advantage. And I beat you by, you know, five seconds. You'll never be able to physically beat me because of that. And now, what does that conversation look like with my daughter? What do I tell her? That she's now been working to achieve this goal for seven years. And now someone that is clearly just has a biological, um, you know, makeup that lends itself to excel way past me. I now that's going to alter the, my future. I have a very big problem with that. You know, I don't have a problem with people identifying with whoever they want to identify as that's fine. That's great. This is America. You can do whatever the hell you want. It's a great part of this country. But when you begin to um, start affecting young people like that and it alters their future, I have, a, I have a problem and there should be parameters in place, right? If we're going to go down that road to ensure things of that nature doesn't happen, right? Um, because like you said, we don't know. It's still so new. 
we don't know what ultimately the consequences are going to be in 20 years. It's the same thing with the pandemic. The mental health fallout of what we've gone through oh, in the last God. year is, is, is still remains to be seen. It's going to have a generational impact that none of us can even imagine. And, it, and, and we're going to watch it all play out in real life. It's the same thing. And I think that as that, I think one thing that's very interesting, and I, and I think it just has to do with, I think there's got to be a little bit of innocence in the conversation of the word taboo, right? I think that there's a lot of things that are coming into our society right now that are very taboo to certain people. And I think we just don't know how to handle those and we don't know the outcomes. Um, I don't have a, a clinical background or any of those to say. Um, I will say that for years, my thoughts on those things, and I don't know if this is just because it's being groomed in a way to get you less and less, you know, you just less care, less care, less, and then any rule or any law can come in. You just they beat you so hard. You just, you're just like, I just give up. Defeated. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was an old, it was like, um, somebody at accountant said one time, they said, you're a, you're a, uh, a Democrat when you're young, a Republican when you're in your middle age, and then you're Democrat when you're older. And they were just basically saying like humanity things that you want to do, you know, might sit more on a, uh, on a, on a democratic side than a fiscal side. So there's all these ways that we like move around. Right. So I just, I think there's just so many different shifts that are going to happen over the next 20 years of people actually even finding out who am I, if my identity has to change so much. Yep. And when we it talk doesn't, about, if you don't want it to. It, correct. It's your we, choice. If we're talking about men, I think that there's some things that need to be talked about in our effects as we get older. But again, I screwed it all up too. And I had great parents. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. But I think there is something to be said about the current state of, of uh, men's development right now. And one of the reasons why, you know, we are making this push for a men's movement is because there are a large segment of the population that are, uh, you know, attacking men. <clears throat> and one of the things that we stand behind is that we're, e we're equal, but not the same. We're equal. Yes, there are universal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's universal success principles that when applied and are going to yield results, and those are universal across gender, race, everything. But what I would say is, is as a man, there are different things in terms of my development that I need that, you know, are different than a woman. And that's okay. Like I said, it's not an equality conversation. It's a development conversation, you know, like we were just talking about. I'm a man. There's a lot of testosterone running through my body, and that lends it to me getting it out by working out and exercising and doing the things I need to do in order to keep those things flowing that necessarily those levels aren't as high with women. And that's not my choice. That's just how it is. Like I'm, you know, like that's, that's, uh, like you said, I'm not a doctor or a clinician, but like if I open up a book, it's in there and, and it's science. But I would also say that, uh, you know, um, there's a lot of there over the years, there's been a, a lot of uh, feminist movements that have pegged men as the enemy. Mm. And we're not the enemy. We're not. Um, and, and, you know, I've also had people say, well, men's movement. I mean, you guys are already 
already in a good spot. What do you guys need to develop? And, and, and oh, well, here we go with some more men's stuff. What else do you have guys Have you found have? yourself being, uh, I mean, you obviously have to hold that line. I mean, it says it in there, the successful male through yeah. this. Um, what kind of attacks have you had because of that? Oh, I've been called a sexist. I've been called, I, I, I made a post earlier this year, all the things that some of the big things I was called last year, <laughs> I was called a sexist, a racist, a morally irresponsible, all sorts of things, man. I was called a douchebag. Um, you know, I, I mean, the, the list goes on and on. Um, but again, that's fuel for me, man. That's fuel for me. Um, you know, how's the old saying go? with the, the, the bombers from world war two, mm. typically I'm taking flack underneath my plane when I'm over the target. Okay. So again, um, we're pushing the right buttons here because guess what? <clears throat> and this is what I've said to, to every person that wants to come at me with that, that sexist bullshit or that men don't need anything else. Uh, it's usually two things. The first one is, um, if you think the current state of affairs are so terrible in the world right now, well, then it must be because there's so many women in power. And they're like, what? I'm like, well, the world is in so such shambles right now. And there's so much catastrophe and it's so terrible because there's a lot of women in power. And they're like, no, well, that's not true. I'm like, right. So don't you think if we developed men more, it would probably help out the world? Mm. like oh I'm like yeah get off my back bro what do you, you think uh, what do you think what do you think is valuable for women to understand about men that and, and especially men that strive because that's what the story's about right it, it's about the strive what is it that we think what, what if we were to have a conversation if you were to have a conversation with a woman he said look i've got some things I just, if you knew this shit about me, you'd give me some flack. <laughs> yeah. What would, I mean, I would have some opinions. I have the so, bias. <laughs> let me, let me talk about it from a different angle, just because I get, I talk to a lot of women about this. And if you are a man that's striving, like you said, which that's the whole point of doing this, you become more attractive to women. The common story that I hear from women is that men aren't doing shit. They're not working on themselves. They have no purpose. They have no passion, right? They're just existing. They're just going along, paying bills, you know, they're playing video games for five hours a night. You know, not that there's anything wrong with playing video games, but if that's your whole life, like it's the same, I mean, plug in whatever, right? Netflix, yeah. what, whatever, right? Sure, like, sure, sure. like, it's just one of those things where like, if you have clarity on what a successful life looks like for you, you know, you have a vision for your life. You have done the work to understand what your purpose is, your passions, your values. That builds a lot of confidence for you. And that becomes very attractive to women and your partner you're with now. And, but wouldn't you and say that can... there's mechanisms that we do in the, in the way that we are in that is a, that seems to be a problem, right? But wouldn't you say there's certain things like I elaborate on that? 
elaborate on that? Um, maybe, uh, maybe it come, does it come from testosterone? I mean, is that uh, our driving problem? Um, in, in, and I'm not and trying think, to solve anything. I just think that in the long run, yeah, I think yeah. that there's some interesting conversations here because if we're going to identify originally in the beginning of our school, right? If we're going to run our schools like that and, and, and that's going to run up the line, we also have to identify if you're going to identify as a, a male in the workplace, this is going to come out. And I think we're yeah. going to have to learn how to work with each other in within those confinements, but also having a stance of being a man takes some very difficult things to do, which are not very, women don't, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the phone, right? It's the, it's that picture that's on uh, social media and the guys like this, and he's like leaning over like this. And then the girl is kind of behind him. He's like, Oh my God, who's he looking at? And he's like, He's staring at like a baseball bat get cord. <laughs> like it's like, you know, that 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 I think is maybe with all, maybe there's a way that we can express why we are who we are a little bit more. I don't know. I think this is just important even in the workplace. Yeah, I think it's a good conversation. I think it goes back to what you brought up earlier. And it's about communication. Right? Like we as men just communicate differently than women do. Um, and here, and now again, there's always outliers, right? So again, if you're listening, know that like, if you're an outlier, then good for you. Right. But traditionally men are problem solvers. It's like, okay, you come to me with a problem, like here's a solution. And then, you know, I know over the years, what I've had to painfully learn is that like, um, she wasn't asking for a solution. She was asking for me to listen, hmm. right? So, so much of that is just understanding the communication of, of a lot of, of how, in terms of gender, you know, we do communicate differently. We, 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 we act differently. Of course, men are, are, are a little bit more analytical and problem solvers and logical. Um, and women are a little bit more emotional and and, uh, and, and there's an important role for both of that, um, you know? And I think one of the big things that we talk about at the successful male is the, mo the most important journey a man will ever make is the one from his head to his heart. So again, there's a lot to be learned from women in terms of communication because of emotions live in the body and thoughts live in the mind. And if the most important journey that I'll ever make is from my head to my heart, that means it's from my thoughts to my emotions and creating coherency between those two. So I can live in a space of limitless possibilities, you know? So again, like they're not our adversaries, you know, they're not the ones that they, we have so much to be learned from both, but to think that I shouldn't take a step back and observe certain things in my life to see how I can, you know, show up better. Right. Like, had you ever see that YouTube video of that guy that he's sitting on the couch with his wife and she has a nail sticking out of her head. Mm, no, he's, she's sitting there and she's like, yeah, you know, I have this nail and it just hurts so bad. And he's like, she's just explaining all the things that are hurting about this nail in her head. And he's, fighting every fiber in his being 
till he finally just screams and says, you know, says, take the nail out of your head, you know, but like that, that's a, a very funny way of just kind of placing some understanding on how communication works in terms of, you know, the gender, right? And like I said, there are outliers, right? There are plenty of men that are very emotional and great at communication. There's plenty of women that are very type A warrior resolute mentality. And, mm -hmm. you know, but again, but generally, those are, are, are very true from what research shows, right? So how, what can I do to get better at communication, right? You know, one of the things I hear too, uh, women say a lot is, is that, you know, my man just doesn't ever open up to me and let me really know what's going on. Right. Why don't, I, why, why, why don't you, and this gets, and, and the reason I am asking these more of these philosophical questions, because at the end of the day, you know, focused on men. So it's like, I understand, I, I, these things are crazy. Right. And this is what they're doing, you know? Well, and, why didn't you before when you were in a relationship, why didn't you? I think there's a part of us that has to, I think there's a part of us that has to prove out our answer. And I think that there's a positive part of that because no cool thing was ever created by someone saying that could not be done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So I think that there's a little bit of the reason why we do those things is we're trying to prove out our way of taking over or conquering land. I mean, if you look at us as men, if you break it all down, you know, it's one of the, the funnest things that I've done lately is I've been growing these peppers. And so I have Serrano, Serrano peppers, Carolina reapers. I've got um, uh, jalapenos. I've got Thai peppers and because I didn't want to just create, I have a, I want to do everything. So I went, I'm just going to choose a couple peppers and then I'm going to stick to those peppers. Right. And then uh, next, my person, I'm going to have a farm in Mexico with like thousands. Yeah. It's just who I am. <laughs> yep. But it's, I'm in my second season of these things. But what I did is I went, there's something about being an entrepreneur and having something grow like there's yeah. just something cool about it, right? Have it come together. I mean, you've probably had that feeling, right? You're like, son of a bitch, I can't freaking get this. And then it's coming together. And it's like this weird. And then what happens? A flower comes and yep. then a fruit pops out, right? So if you look at simplicity, I don't think, I think in our makeup, when we get down to like the ground level, like for example, like farming or something like that, we get to the roots of who we are. And I think we're like losing, we're like losing that. Yeah. It's because we want to create. We want to create, we want to yeah. make things, you know? Yeah. And I think it's like, everybody wants to swing the bat. And when I swung the bat, when I was young is I was just trying to talk to everybody. So I must've thought which still probably is today that making relationships and making people enjoy themselves and, and bringing out, maybe, maybe you're having a shitty day, but maybe we can laugh about it or maybe we can think about something funner to do. <laughs> like there's options here. I had that skill as a young age. So I exerted that skill. It didn't do me well in confined situations. Right. 
But I also never would have found out who I was if I would have stopped talking for the rest of my life inside of a room, inside of that classroom. I would have had a great attendance, but I would have died. Yep. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's about, like you said, so it circles back to integrity. It's about understanding, you know, who you are, what your gifts are and leaning into that shit. One of the things I'm getting in our conversation here, and I think it's becoming even more clear and and maybe I can explain it right, is that with the ability to get older, yet the ability to take care of ourselves and make ourselves better in function right? In structure and doing those things better. We're going to probably go through more of these as a species. We're, oh, yeah. we're, we're going to go through more of these. I guess where I'm, I'm putting all this together is like, okay, at a young age, you, you fail, you break everything. Then let's say you get successful to like 30 or something, and then you break everything again. And then, I mean, you look at, uh, look at divorce. I mean, it's like, we're getting married multiple times. You know, you're having multiple jobs. It's not, and, and this isn't anything. Like well, what's the, what's the leading cause of divorce? You know what it is? Oh, I know. I mean, it's very simple. It's communication. I mean, Finances. It's, it's divorce comes down to, you're, you're right. It's finances, but also it comes yep. down to expectations. Yeah, but you're right though. It is communication, right? It's because people have never really learned how to, manage their money. They weren't ever taught that they are uncomfortable talking about it. You're not supposed to talk about it. All those things piling on. You're right, man. That communication but breakdown. is. I think, there's a, I think that there is a great story here though. And I think that there is a few things that are here that we talk about is for men. And that is, we don't really pick up the boots as quick as women. A man's heartbreak is a heck of a lot harder than a woman's. It's just the way it is. Right. Yep. So in that, if we don't pick up those things, the story many, many years ago would be if we didn't pick up the pieces, we only had so much time to fix it. So where I'm trying to get here is that I think we're getting a couple extra at bats. I, th- I, think that, I think that you don't have to have it figured out at 30. I think you maybe need to have some skill sets though. You well, know? <clears throat> So you're touching on something very important. I, I just want to take a minute and tell a story to highlight it just a moment, because it, it may p- provide some clarification just from the things that I've learned in terms of researching, um, you know, where we're at in terms of the state of the men's mentality. Right. So you go back to World War Two. OK. At that time, women were not allowed in the workplace. Okay. It was very infrequent. Maybe they were teachers. That's about it. Nurses, things like that. You have the majority of the population that goes off to fight one of the most terrible evils that the world has ever faced, right? Rightfully so. They're all, all the men are gone. Well, all the factories needed to keep producing all this stuff so that we could continue being in the war. So women got to the workplace and they got into the factories and they filled all the jobs that the men had. And on top of that, they were still managing the home. They were still taking care of the kids. 
And they were taking care of all of the things that needed to be taken care of plus working now. So they were doing both roles. Essentially up until that point, they were, there was a clear distinction in, in society of what those roles were. And men and women accepted that as their role and didn't really sway outside of that, right? So you take that on as your identity, your role, and your, in your, your family unit, your structure, as well as in society. So then the war ends, yippee, hooray, we just eradicated the, one of the worst evils the world has ever seen. I come home now. What's my role now? Not only do I come home, I come home with severe at that point, which was called shell-shocked or battle fatigue. We know today as PTSD. So I'm, I'm a very, very broken, you know, could be broken man, right? I've, I've seen things that no man should ever see, right? Um, terrible. But I come home and my wife is working. She's taking care of everything. The kids are there. Well, I don't fit in. Where do I fit in? Where do I go get a job now? Do I just tell my wife to go home and not work? And I'm going to take her job now? What do I do? It caused a large amount of confusion. You know, so with all of that coming home and dealing with the battle fatigue, then you see a large increase of, uh, you know, alcoholism, uh, domestic violence started really starting to kick up. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you have these generations of men after that, that stemmed from seeing that within the home, home life. And they just don't know where they fit in. There's a large segment of the men of men that they don't, they're not comfortable with powerful women in the professional yeah. domain. I've seen it a lot, mm -hmm. right? Because they just have this belief of there's there certain roles within society that genders are supposed to play. And guys like you and I just know that that's not true. You know, I've never been yeah. bothered by it. I, Neither I have have I. that work with me now and I, sure. I don't bother me at all. But the thing is, is that like, so there's still a large segment of men that haven't, learned how to understand that, that that transition or that growth and that advancement is very real and you need to come along with that. And they, since living in that unacceptance of that reality, it creates a large disturbance and then men act out, mm -hmm. right? Like if I'm not the sole provider of my family, then I'm just not enough you know, or I'm not bringing enough value and I feel less than, well, then I have to divert, you know, I, I need diversion. I need alcohol. I need drugs. I need to do this. I need to do that. Plus all the things that, you know, society are placing on me in terms of, you know, what the expectations are. And it's like, man, how do, and again, you're also talking about a large population back then dating back to when they came back from the war, like, not great communicators. No, no, you're talking about war grunts. Correct. Yeah, you're. Yeah, you're. I mean, I. And how <clears throat> how could you ever talk about the things that you saw? That's that's a good point. How could you ever talk about that? I mean, the horrors of war torn men, right? And, and even this if you has wanted to, you also uh, you also know that I think that there's also a side of men that have done things and been in combat and war there's two things that might happen in there. And it might be, I don't want to tell you because I don't know how to express it. And the other one is, how are you going to look at me knowing that I've seen that? 
I think that this is happening in a major way and it's, it's being, it's, it's exposing itself like a, like a pimple being popped. And that is this transition. I believe that just like how we had the industrial revolution and we had wars transition our world. I think this one is the scariest because it's very silent. You know, we had a war, we knew, man, I mean, when men came back, we knew they were messed up for a reason. We would maybe try to figure, at least we have a reason. Now it's like we have men who are transitioning from, you know, it's not like I'm the, I'm the one that's hand, that I'm on the railroad and now I'm the manager and I still go out with the boys and I get that energy. That energy, you, you even, even if you're the manager and you're hanging out with the guys hitting the hammer, you're a part of the energy, right? I think what's happening is we're getting dispersed so much and men don't have any men to cling on. And I think I've had this conversation with you before is the church yep. has done the best that you could imagine for men. Truly. It, it, it has a great place for men. And that is that in church is um, there's a place where you can have a small group or so in that, but what happens to the other people? They got nowhere to go. Right. And well, when think, we let when we let in, that's why I said we're a concept community in business. Because one of the things that you just talked about is very real, and that is we need to have that sense of community. Which I think comes down to trust, though, right? Yeah. There's a, there's a little bit of of church if you go if you go to church and like, hey, are you troubled? Um, you know, John over here, uh, Mr. Joe over here, more than happy to talk to you. There's an environment and there's a setting that gets prepared. It's almost like, you know, come on over here. I have a nice soft pillow for you. I can listen to you and I'm just going to listen, right? Our problems in society are transactional. I'm going to go to a psychologist and I'm going to pay you and I'm going to tell you all my stuff. And now I'm really just exposing myself. It's not just out of, I'm going to, do you want to come over and hang out too? And I think that there's this interesting, I guess where I'm getting at, what I've learned so much on your side as well, is just how men, maybe we just need to have some forgiveness that this isn't our end. Like your failure at 22, no. Okay, maybe your failure at 30, no. Our society is giving us opportunity to be entrepreneurs at an older age, which means you broke the first bat, baby, but you know what? I got another one for you. Colonel Sanders, man. Right? And Colonel I think Sanders, there's man. something going on here for men. And I think it's scary, but I also think it's really interesting because there's more opportunity today for someone to have a side gig than there, than not a side gig. Okay, let's make sure I clarify. What did I do? I told some of my personality was an extremist the other day. And he's like, I think you should re reset how you say that. I said, I think you're right. But, but I think there's something here. And I think that what you're doing is what this world needs. I think that our country, the United States, if that's, if you're listening, I think guys like you, you that's what we need. We, we need guys that basically can come together and, and be broken and have strong men there too. Right. I wouldn't, I hold on. I would say not to be broken, okay. right? Like if, if, so think about this, right? Just let me paint this picture for you because this is a very clear distinction that we like to make. There are plenty of programs and communities out there for men that are broken and, and rightfully so they need that. Mm. Okay. If, if again, 
I'm somebody that has done very, very deep work in therapy to repair the damage I did to myself and others have done to me. Right. And, and accept that. Right. So there's a place for that. There's not too many places for men that aren't broken, but just want to have a community of people to hang out with and say, Hey, this is what's going on. I have some challenges. I'm striving to be more or hey, I'm highly successful and I want to hang out with other successful men that are killing this shit. Like, let's talk about goals and dreams and ambitions and how we can make a larger impact, right? Rather than just come, coming together uh, or like, like that, you're going through a divorce. Okay, well, go talk to somebody about that. You know, that is a little bit of brokenness there and that needs to be repaired, what we're trying to say here is, is that you are usefully whole. Okay. You are usefully whole. All of the answers that you need for your life are buried in everything that you're not right. All the labels that society, your parents and everyone else, your teachers have placed upon you. You need to unravel that and do the work. doesn't mean you're broken. What I will say is though, there's a, there's a place in a community where you can come and talk about real shit, have real conversations you know, like I did a, a room in clubhouse. I had some, some of the most interesting guys you could ever meet in the world there from all over Canada, us, there was some in, in uh, Europe, couple in Australia. And we are having a conversation on how we see death. We're having a conversation on how, um, how us growing as men has propelled our business right? We had a conversation about how we can, how we talk to our wives and talk to women, right? Like we were having real life. Con then we even got into a conversation about some deep spiritual things of the presence of God and other things like that, like high level advanced questioning of things yeah. and placing pressure on one another with challenging views and conversations without argument just real talk from high level men. Right. And it was, I got everyone that was in that room messaged me afterwards. And like, that's some of the realest shit I've been a part of. And I want more of that. Very good. And that fellowship, right. Which fellowship is defined as a union of equals. So I show up to that place, although we may be different, I'm no better or no less than you. And what that lends itself to is holding a space of trust of safety because you know, you're not being judged. What, what, a, what a powerful statement, right? What, what a powerful statement come to a place that you won't be judged. And that, that, that acceptance is, is very difficult for many of us. Mm -hmm. it, but it doesn't we, mean you're not going to be challenged. It doesn't mean you're not going to be challenged. I, I think that's an important distinction because too many times People are like, oh, you think differently than me. You're judging me. No, I'm challenging you on your beliefs and what you view. Maybe we're judging ourselves. <laughs> I mean, if, to think that people don't judge is crazy. We judge the shit out of everybody all the time. Yeah. You know, but I think showing up with a level of openness and open-mindedness like you and I do to maybe see things a little bit differently or Stand, stay very steadfast in your convictions, even when there's a, a big storm, right? Like, yeah, that's, that's important. Yeah. I, I, I think that there's an entire, 
I think there's more information today than huh. we've ever had, right? And so it's guys like you that step up and it's guys like you that show these guys they have a place and and I do it on my platform as well. And and I, you know, I believe in repetition and taking care of yourself as well. And but what you're doing is very is very important, my friend. Um, I think that it's um, some people have communication skills. I, I I'll say whatever. I just I whatever. Let's, let's see what's <laughs> let's see where the cards fly. I had a friend of mine. He's like, Jason, you're like a cat. You just fall off a building every time. You just land on your feet. I'm like, but have you ever seen a cat fall? It never looks good. It, it's no. really ugly, dude. It's like one leg's up there, but yeah, you land right. But on the other note, the turmoil that goes underneath that. I mean, it's like even yep. today. I mean, it's you know. I have things that are problems right now. I got to go solve today problems today. Right. But I think that one thing that this, um, that this conversation today, and I appreciate so much of you hanging out. Um, I do like to do like a longer platform like this and I've been testing it out. And one of the things that I find is that it runs, remember you're talking about music and what I'm finding in this longer platform is that the shorter time is really exciting. And then it kind of dole out a little bit. But what'll happen is something will come out that's more real because everything has settled. You have nothing to promote. You've got nothing to say. You just can talk. And so what I've got from you today, which helped me, and maybe this will help other people as well, is that there is a place for men to go. Number one, there, there is a place. And Joe, look up Joe. If that's your thing and you need to square up and you want to be with that successful group, Joe, you're the man. You've had... you. We met at a challenging state, got to that, <laughs> yeah. through that, right? It, and nothing was bad or anything like that, but we, we you know, we talked oh, about no. nothing bad. showed up in an argument. Yeah. So I think that um, one thing that also opened up my mind as well is also to put into perspective for myself. And that is, man, we got a lot of opportunity. If you can fix those things, the internet is giving people opportunities to make money that they've never had before. Also, I think one thing me, men need to understand is, are you ready for it? There's a lot of men that don't understand shit. <laughs> <laughs> and so many of us don't know shit. So don't compare yourself as much in your second round because a lot of people right now with digital and a lot of people with processes and webinars and Zoom, we're all confused. And so there's two stories I think here. There's one of multiple opportunities to fail in your life because of longevity of life. As a man, there's, there's areas that you can go that they didn't have for you before. And then the last one is there's more opportunity for you to learn a new skill that can actually get you into somewhere to make you feel like a man again, whatever that means to you. But whatever that means, that purpose, there actually is places out there that you can be loved and liked and, and everything like that. There's more rooms, there's more groups. And so I just think what you are doing is so needed. And not only that, you can kind of be a guy. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, man. Hey, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Has your uh, second season of peppers, those plants, have they started producing? So here's what happened. Um, the first uh, stage, so I'm in San Diego, so I'm, I'm close, you know, I have some decent weather, but we were really cold this season. 
So what happened was the first season I got, I think 50% of the fruit. Now I'm in my second season, but the Carolina Reaper, I created my own hot sauce and I left the Carolina Reaper on. And I'm just curious to see how long that thing will stay on the nub. And it's been yeah. there the whole winter. So, and it's crazy. That thing goes from green, goes from like green to or to like orange, to yellow, to red. And now it's like, kind of like tapering off, but have you, have you done them before? No, no, but I, I just, it's, it's an analogy, right? Sure. I think so many, so many times we forget like, you know, in the very simplistic natural sense, we, we, uh, you know, we judge a, a, a the success of a tree by the fruit it bears. I mean, that's as old as the old book, right? That, that mm. analogy. But I mean, <clears throat> I'll reference Dr. Miles Monroe again. He, he says that, you know, um, a, a, a tree is, is a seed that's buried is, is buried inside the seed. You know, a tree is just buried inside of that seed. But if you put a seed on the windowsill and you let it sit there, it'll just stay there for, you know, 10 years and it will never become a tree. He's like, you have to bury it. You have to fertilize it. it. And it's the same thing for us. Right. And I think so much of, you know, Hey, I had a first round and I failed, you know, that's just me growing into the tree that I'm supposed to be. Right. But if I didn't bury myself, you know, with all this dirt and put fertilize on it and water myself, then, you know, with everything that I needed to grow into what I be could become, then, you know, and that's just the season of my life. Well, then I get through that. And, you know, with my roots firmly, you know, planted in my convictions and integrity and values, I keep growing. Right. And, and I think so often, um, men get really, really beat up and they don't reach out. They don't reach out to Joe or Jason and say, Hey man, I'm having a hard time right now. In order for them to have somebody put some sunlight on a man so they can start growing more again, you know? So the big thing that I'm telling men this year is, is that we all want to be courageous and brave. That's one character trait that I know, man, more than anything. It's, we want to be courageous. And it makes you smile. Every man that hears this, I want to be brave. Hell yeah. And every girl screams, but, they made a song about it. I want you to be brave. Yeah. <laughs> right. I want to be So, but I would say is, is just from all my training and, and doing, you know, linguistic deconstructions of emotions is that you cannot be courageous without fear. So the very nature of leveraging the emotion and drawing on your courage to be a courageous man is only in the presence of fear, not in its absence, right? So yeah. if you are afraid, draw on courage, draw on bravery. It's okay to be afraid, but it's not okay to go scowl in the corner and tell nobody what's going on, right? Because we're only as sick as our secrets. So my call to men is, is that, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to suffer in silence until you take the ultimate solution and that's your own life. Put your hand up, say, Hey, I don't, I don't have it figured all out yet. I may need some help from you guys, but right now this is the most courageous thing I could do is, is pick up the phone and let you really know what's going on. And then guess what? I get relief and I can transcend it and become who it is that I really want to be. Well, that. That right there, my friend, Joe, I think you nailed it. I, um, I appreciate your time here with me. 
um, on the Moved Entrepreneur Podcast. And everybody that was on here that listened, I'm sure got so many golden nuggets there. And I think that what you just said is awesome. It's the truth. It's like it, you go through different seasons on that tree, baby. And you know what? I was just thinking, you can't, you can't bear more fruit without growing. You need to have a bigger stem. You got to have a bigger tree so you can grate more fruit. So Joe, I want to thank you deeply from my heart, just because I love how we connected in a, in a, in an argument and we became friends. I think that's a testament that that's how men are better. You know, we, we get into it now. Let's, let's love each other and kick some ass together. So thank you very much, Joe, for being a guest on this podcast. And I look forward to seeing you more. You're the man, brother. Where would you. you like to plug so that they can make sure that they can come and see you? Yeah, as a thank you to anyone that's listening, um, you can head over to nolimit.com, nolimitmen.com forward slash podcasts. You can sign up and get a free masterclass with myself and Ron Maholtra. Over six hours of content, action guides, and five uh, success principles that you can apply. You can rapidly accelerate your results in 30 days. So, you know, that's nolimitmen.com forward slash podcast. Um, my handles, social media, all that stuff is Joseph DeRoma. You can find me there. And as Jason said at the beginning, check out the successfulmail.com as well as our successful mail podcast, where, uh, you'll be able to see the man, the myth, the legend himself on there soon, Mr. Jason Starbucks. So thanks, bro. Well, thank you very much for your support. And, um, a lot of these people learn a lot. Thank you so much, Joe. Take care, my friend. If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Moved is to entrepreneurs.